Good morning and welcome to the JC Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Collier, back after taking a week off to move and get situated and get the internet back, but I didn't take a break from getting good guests. So today I'm joined by the managing editor of the Arkansas Rivals site at hogbeat.com and Rivals reporter, Nikki Chavanel. Thanks so much for joining me today, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me, Jackson. You know, I, uh, I'm a big fan of you on the message board, and I love what you bring to our little group. So I am by far very pleased to be on your podcast. Well, thank you. You're welcome anytime, and I appreciate the kind words. So uh, let's just kind of dive right into some uh, recruiting news. Uh, so Coach Musselman landed his first out-of-state top 100 recruit in uh, Chance Moore. Uh, what do you think of his game? So I haven't seen too much of Chance because of, you know, first of all, he, he transferred this past season to a new high school and he was injured. Um, but from what the analysts say, he's he's back up on the rise. Um, before his injury, he was a, a top 30 player in the nation. And then after that, he has, you know, tumbled down a little bit. But he is supposedly, you know, a pretty good shooter um, on the perimeter as well. And then he can really take it inside um and he has been picking up on his defense a little bit this summer so um six foot five 185 um a four star with all the talent that arkansas is going to lose on the wings um that's really where they need to be focused um you know you're going to have connor vanover for another year you're going to have jalen williams maybe ethan henderson so you you're going to have some size still but uh you got to have some some you know a little bit taller guys lanky guys that can shoot as well Oh, yeah, and he's kind of fitting this mold that uh, Muss has seemed to target on the wing with, like, 6'5", super long, super athletic, uh, the ability to score at all three levels and, and shoot the ball from the outside. But we see that in Moses Moody. Isaiah Joe obviously was here before uh, Musselman was hired, but then also targeting guys like Justin Smith and Vance Jackson. So it's kind of that, that same mold that's just kind of carrying through. Yeah, and it looks like, you know, he's already um, a pretty good size. He could put on like another 10 pounds and then look a little bit more like Moses um, coming in. But, you know, excited to see what he can do as a senior as long as everybody plays. Um, But, you know, I don't think like Duncan Powell, Duncan Powell moved around a little bit before in high school and that was kind of a bad sign. I'm not really sure 100% what it is with chance, but hopefully – you know, it's his college career isn't like his high school career where he's bouncing around from school to school. Right, obviously. Um, he's Arkansas's first top 100 out-of-state recruit uh, of the Musselman era. He's only the uh, fourth since 2010. The other three uh, were Jimmy Witt and Marshawn Powell. And who was this last one? I had it in my notes. Uh, Moses Kingsley. Um, those are the only other three top 100 uh, players from out of state since 2010, this decade. Um, So with Musselman signing him, what does that say about uh, he and the staff on the recruiting show? What does that mean uh, for recruiting moving forward? Yeah, I 
think they're they're really building their brand and getting Eric Musselman's name out there more um, because you know when he first came to Arkansas, like yeah, he had been in Nevada, but uh, in terms of just like the college hoop scene, his name was not super big. He had to kind of tell people his resume, and then once you did, you're you're pleasantly surprised. You know, he's been all over the NBA and stuff, but um, he's started to get his name out there a lot more from what you can see on social media and what the team shares. So that's really where he wants this program to be headed. He wants to be able to go anywhere in the nation and recruit at a high level. Um, It just happened that there were five really great options in the state. The last class, I got four of them. Um, But moving forward, you know, I do think you prioritize the in-state kids, but you want to be able to go out and get guys um, that you want in in other states. Um, And I think they had a little bit, you know, of a practice run recruiting Moses Moody and K.K. Robinson because even though they were, uh, you know, native Arkansans, they weren't playing in the state and they were still having to battle some of the top programs in the nation to get them. Right, and as much talent as there is in state, especially moving forward in the in the twenty two class, it's not something you can exactly build uh, an elite level program around. And for fans who are wanting to take that next step as a program uh, to get to the Sweet Sixteen and get back to the Elite Eight, Final Four, what what Arkansas fans expected in the eighties and nineties, uh, you're going to have to have more than just the in state talent. Yeah, and getting chance on campus. That was obviously big for someone who's never been here before. Um, he got to check it out this weekend and just really loved what he saw. And, you know, those are unofficials. They pay for them to come visit themselves, and um, they couldn't interact with the staff. But they have been consistent with him since they offered about two months ago or so. So all that added up, and he was just ready um, to make that decision. But yeah, really impressive job. I know, you know, he was kind of newer on the radar than some of the other guys, but like, you know, Harrison Ingram cut his list. KJ Adams w- went off the board. Like, just quite a few guys, um, I think, have moved on. And so, you know, Arkansas, you know, needed to start heating things up, even though, you know, a big, huge part of their recruiting game is, you know, the transfer portal. I still think it it means a lot to show what you can do with high school recruiting as well because a lot of people still don't fully understand how uh, important and how useful transfer portal recruiting is. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we've seen it with Musselman as kind of having this blueprint of bringing in grad transfer talent and experience and combining it with a bunch of youthful talent and so just right right out of high school so there's obviously a blueprint all over college basketball and, and Muss isn't exactly the originator of that but he has honed in on it and has obviously uh decided that that's the the idea that he wants to build his roster around it's probably not ideal for everyone but with his experience in the lower levels of the nba and the development league like he's used to you know, putting a roster together in one year and, you know, even having to change it on a day-to-day basis. So uh, the transfer portal really benefits him, um, you know, because he's able to bring together a bunch of people with different attributes and kind of 
put the puzzle together on where they fit best. Uh, but I think he's assembled a really great roster for his second season. Um, I mean, it could be a little bit stronger in the depth. I think, like, you know, Bebe and Ethan might not get a ton of playing time, but, you know, you got to keep your stars happy, and that means giving them more playing time anyways. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And uh, just talking more about the 21 class, you mentioned K.J. Adams, Harrison Ingram cutting their list, getting off the board. Um, And Chance was kind of someone that a lot of Razorback fans didn't necessarily hear a lot about because his recruitment was more recent and hadn't necessarily been on the board as long. Um, What are some other names uh, to kind of finish out this 21 class that Razorback fans should, should look out for? Well, they're making top 10 lists, but it's really coming down to Arkansas and some other, you know, powerhouse teams for for these guys like Michael James, Damian Collins out of Oklahoma, um, Mike Foster. Uh, they're working on James White, another guy, Jordan Nesbitt. He just put Arkansas in his top 11. And then uh, David Oquera, the, the guy from Australia that David Patrick has been recruiting. So there's still a good number of options. I think it's just about you know how well they can evaluate these guys. And I'm, I'm a little bit surprised at Chance Moore and his commitment because, honestly, without being able to play – a lot of his junior season and not getting to see him play much, you know, live or at all live at the the circuits this summer. I'm wondering how strongly they feel in in their evaluation of him, but sometimes you just have to take a chance and and hope that your gut feeling and and what you've seen is enough. Uh, But yeah, I, I imagine they'll only take one or two more of these high school kids just because with the situation right now and the amount that they're allowed to evaluate, it doesn't make as much sense to take a chance on um, high school players. Right, and especially with as loaded as the 22 classes, top to bottom yeah. and in-state uh, in and out-of-state both, it just makes sense to try to leave as many spots open for, for that class, and you do that by – having one-year grad transfers come in and contribute and leave and open up a bunch of scholarships. Yeah, there could be as many as, you know, five or six spots open for next year. Um, And then you would kind of like to funnel all those guys out and at least take maybe three or four of the in-state guys that they've offered. Um, I don't really know exactly where their priorities will lie by then because, I mean, with, with the way Musselman has been flipping rosters, it's hard to tell. But, you know, Darian Ford, Nick Smith, Joseph Pinion, I think those are guys that they definitely want. And Khalil Ware has been, it seems like he has, you know, had a good summer as well. Yeah, uh, Ware has had a, a major uptick in offers and interest uh, recently. So it's always good to see in-state talent getting some more recognition. It's just a matter of being able to keep them home and keep them away from other conference uh, teams and other elite programs yeah um i think if muscleman is able to do um what he's setting out to do you know being a, a tournament team and a sweet 16 team then they won't have trouble with that um you know these kids are going to want to play for the university of arkansas so it's just about treating the players right so that they always have good things to tell the recruits and um you know putting up wins 
Right. And obviously we see on Twitter from the official Razorback men's basketball account and from the Razorback men's basketball recruiting account, you see a bunch of uh, content being put out of Musselman talking to the team about uh, the offense being very free and being an NBA offense and you're going to get more freedom right. than anybody else. And uh, you also get graphics of the NBA coaching experience and playing experience of the staff. Um, then you also have Musselman's track record of success as a coach in the NBA and what he was able to do with Nevada with a quick rebuild and making the Sweet 16 and being ranked in the top five there. Is there any part of that that the staff focuses on most when pitching to recruits? Like what's their what's their biggest selling uh, pitch, I guess, for, for recruiting? I think it is the path to the NBA that they're going to be able to identify your strengths and your weaknesses and help you work on whatever it is that NBA scouts want to see by the time that you get to that eligible level. Um, Like Moses Moody, they're probably already telling him what he needs to know, and I'm not sure what that is, but I'm I'm sure they're working on whatever it is that scouts want to see, but it would be incredible if Mason Jones could get drafted and then Isaiah Joe the year after that um, at, a, at a high position too um, you know higher than where he's been projected at a lot of places so uh, if he can do that I mean Mason Jones that's going to be a tough one but if you have a player drafted every single year um, I think the, the recruits will just start flowing in and Eric Musselman's personality makes it very easy, and I know that his assistants as well. I know Musk gets a lot of the credit, but his assistants put in a a ton of work recruiting. Well, and two, even if uh, Mace doesn't get drafted, you can look at the development from his sophomore year to his junior year and winning SEC Co-Player of the Year. Um, And I'm sure recruits take notice of that too because – Mason was he was a good player under Mike Anderson, double digit score, uh, still kind of a role player uh, with all that uh, young talent that they had that year, but exploded in into the primary scoring role, primary ball handler, uh, scoring with the ball in his hands, driving the ball, shooting. So I think that development aspect is also a major selling point too, uh, just as far as being a better ball player, even if you're not going to necessarily be an NBA prospect, you can make a lot of money overseas nowadays too. From what I've heard from this staff, when kids come to visit, I mean, they just put out these very detailed presentations to the kids and have, you know, their exact plan for how they want to develop them and get them to where they want to go. And that is huge. I mean, I didn't hear anything like that when Mike Anderson was here. Um, I think, you know, Muss has just kind of, he, he listens to other coaches so much that by this point he's kind of developed, you know, the best way to do things and, and the way that things work in the best way. Right. And uh, Moore's commitment wasn't even the best news that the fans received in the past couple of weeks. Isaiah Joe obviously announced that he was coming back for his junior year. Um, he'll be the SEC's returning leading scorer and add another elite shooter to the roster uh, coming into next year. Do you think he'll be in the running for Conference Player of the Year next year? I could definitely um, see him being in the running if he can get his shooting back up to the levels that it was uh, the year before. Um, But, I mean, he just has so many tools. I'd like to see him develop, you know, his game inside a little bit more. 
Um, but as a shooter, he's just so pure. Uh, you know, people love to watch him. The only thing that was, I mean, if he hadn't been injured last season, he probably would be going into the draft this year. Even though teams want to see him put on some weight and stuff, I, I still think they would have uh you know, had him see it a little bit higher in the draft. Uh, but him coming back, yeah, absolutely, he'll be in contention for that. And it just depends how Muscleman kind of uses players around him. He needs to have the ball a lot, and it just depends because the, the best defender is probably going to be on him um, all night in various games. Right. And one thing that's going to benefit him coming back is just the amount of weapons this offense will have. So even right. if the best defender is on him, I mean, it's going to be hard to stop, say, a Vance Jackson or a, a Moses Moody or any any number of other guys who are having an on night. And then op- opposing coaches are going to have a tough decision. Do you switch the best right. defender off of Joe onto another hot hand, or do you stay with what you're doing and, and try to let Vance or, or Moody beat us? Yeah, one of the great parts about this roster is there are, you know, at least eight players who could drop, you know, double digits any night. Um, It's just about how much time they get and how many opportunities they get. But I think also because there's so much depth, Muslimen will be able to keep the fire under their butts. Like if you're not playing well, you're going to go to the bench and that will just elevate their game even more. Oh, yeah, and that was something he couldn't really do last year because of the limited (laughs) eligible players he had. Yeah, yeah. If you have not enough players, you know, you can't be picky, but, um, you know, you make a mistake, you have a turnover, you look lazy, you look tired, yeah, you can definitely sub out with this roster and feel pretty confident that you're putting in someone who could have similar production, whereas last year, you know, they... Uh, I can't even remember his name now. He played so little. Um, Dean Tallsilla? Yeah. You put in Silla and you're just like, okay. (laughs) It's not going to help us. Um, So, yeah, so many possibilities with this roster. And I feel like there's a legitimate, like, you know, first group of depth, the second group of depth. And even in the third group, there's still talent. Like, Devo Davis, even though he's young, I still think he's going to be able to contribute in a major way. Oh, yeah. I'm high on Devo. If he had an outside shot, I'm convinced he would be challenging for the starting spot. Yeah. People seem really impressed with KK um, in this in this offseason, um, but it, it, things get a little different when... Uh, the contact picks up and stuff like that, and Debo has, you know, a little bit more size to him than KK does. Um, so that might, that might, you know, it just depends, I think, on the matchup. But then also Jalen Tate, what can he bring offensively? I think KK and, and Debo probably bring more offensively, but what does the team need on a, on a particular night? And then also, you know, KK and Debo are a little bit younger. You know, turnovers tend to... Um, run rampant with guys with less experience but then again you know mason jones could have a night or two that was you know off on turnover so it really just depends on your focus and your ability to um you know make smart decisions what effect might uh isaiah joe's return have on moses moody and some of the other guards because you were looking at without isaiah joe obviously moses moody was kind of looked at to fill his role and maybe be the go-to guy. Now he's kind of taken a back seat 
uh, kind of, I guess. He's still going to be a premier player in the offense. But uh, what what effect does Joe coming back have on Moses Moody? I think he could be a, a very solid number two option. Let's say Isaiah Joe's not having a great night, then you you hand it over to Moody and let him do his thing. Um, Moses was playing with one of the top programs in the nation at the high school level. Musselman even said that they could have beat some, you know, lower level D1 teams. So he should be as ready as can be. Um, you know, he's going to be active on the boards as well. But yeah, I think Moses probably would have had more production without Isaiah Joe. But when you add Isaiah Joe in there, you never know what the defenders are going to have to, you know, do to switch their game. And then Moses could actually have a few more very productive nights with Isaiah Joe just because they're putting so much attention on him. Yeah, and I'm kind of of the opinion, too, where Moses is still going to get his. He's too talented just to kind of not. But I I do think that bringing Isaiah Joe back another year kind of – not necessarily eases Moody into it, but it doesn't make us rely on him as our go-to option at the two or the three spot. And I don't think, I think he is more than capable of showing out at that spot if he had to. But I think the fact that he doesn't have to helps Arkansas and and fans kind of selfishly keep him around maybe for another year instead of being a potential one and done. He still has the potential to be, obviously, but I think just not having to do it all and not showing to scouts and, and to everybody uh, in the national media that, hey, this this true freshman in Arkansas is uh, shouldering the burden and scoring 15-plus a game as the only uh, wing option, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think Isaiah is just a really good role model for Moses. Um, he's, you know, level-headed. He doesn't get too high or too low. Um, in press conference, you know, he's always on message. Um, I think that he's going to learn a lot from Isaiah and just like the way he conducts himself, even though Isaiah is not the most outspoken or I, I couldn't even say that you consider him like a huge team leader just because he's not that vocal. Um, the way that he does things is going to rub off on Moses and Moses and keep him, you know, level-headed and focused on what he needs to accomplish to get to the next level next season. So Isaiah, pretty much, he's pretty much guaranteed a starting spot. He's started every game but one that he's yeah. appeared in uh, at, at Arkansas. Who do you think rounds out the starting five? Let's go with KK. Um, I like what he brings, his ability to handle the ball, the experience that he got at Oak Hill. I like all that. Uh, Moses, you know, he's, he's going to have, you know, a little battle with Vance Jackson, I think. Um, he's Vance is going into his final year, so I think he's going to want to show up. But, you know, Moses is kind of, you assume that he's going to start. Uh, Justin Smith started at Indiana, leading scorer. Uh, he's got to start, I think. And, you know, considering the options at the four, I think he's the best one. Um, and then, you know... Connor Vanover probably starts most games unless there's some kind of uh, matchup situation they're trying to exploit. Um, but Jalen Williams, I think, eventually once he comes into his own, he'll pick up more minutes as we go along. Oh, yeah. I, I like your starting five because you have four legitimate outside threats, and there's some uh, talk of 
Justin Smith being able to, to develop an outside game, play on the wing. And I, he kind of played, he was forced to play on the wing in Indiana, but uh, he had some big men clogging the paint and preventing him mm-hmm. from having open driving spaces. But if you throw Vanover out there, he'll hardly be in the paint on offense. I mean, he'll have a sky hook every now and then, but he's, he's mainly a three point specialist out there. Yeah. Um, it's so unique to see someone like that. I just, I mean, I can hardly think of someone as big as him having that kind of shot. And I don't think he got the looks at Cal that um, he'll get at Arkansas. So I'm really excited to see what he can do, especially with, you know, a little bit of added stability in his size um, and getting his fitness level up as well. Oh, yeah, and I actually played uh, with his older brother, Brandon, growing up, and I remember in a bunch of tournaments that we'd be playing in around Arkansas, his uh, Connors team, he played for the Rim Rockers. Uh, Mm -hmm. He he played up – they played up in tournaments because they were really good, and it was just so – it was crazy because it was middle school or whatever, and he was over six feet tall in middle school. I remember thinking Brandon was the tallest – player I'd ever seen he was 5'11 in fourth or fifth grade and I think Connor was around the same size and he was just draining threes all over the place and it was it was remarkable to say the least yeah I really really like the scoring potential of this team I just wonder defensively what they're going to look like I know that you know stopping the three ball and everything that was a big staple of the defense last season um I'm wondering if that's going to be the similar identity this year uh it's just you know a big turnover on the roster so we'll see on that one so obviously they're going to be 10 brand new faces uh yeah making an appearance <laughs> this year that's, that's a lot of new guys uh what what do you think fans should expect, I guess, first off, from the three grad transfers? Well, Jalen Tate, you know, he was um, – was he all-conference as a defender? I think so. I think, um, he was, I think he was first team all-conference and one defensive player of the year, maybe twice, actually. Yeah, so he's obviously bringing, you know, stringent defense to the team. Um, Justin Smith, he knows how to score both – inside and out you know he's got to develop that outside game a little bit more but if he can um i'm i envision him continuing to be a a double digit scorer um and then who am i missing uh vance jackson vance jackson i mean he's he's eric musselman's seen what he brings to the table before he had to miss a few games but um he's capable of scoring and getting double doubles um so overall like these are three guys who are clearly hungry for more action uh so i think muscleman's gonna get it out of them one name i haven't heard you mention uh is desi sills what do you where do you think he fits in with all of this well he he played so well as a backup or uh, as a six-man last season that, you know, I think that he's right there behind Isaiah, but then I think he rotates in a lot. Um, Maybe, I don't really know how you make it work, but uh, at the one, two, and three, I feel like you could just, because they're so positionless, I think you could get him in a lot at those positions and, you know, let him heat up and get to work both both inside the paint and shooting he 
you know, struggled last season, obviously, at the beginning, but he really picked it up. And he has the mentality that I think the whole team needs to have. Just, you know, sacrifice everything, put your body on the line to get those points. Yeah, and it was it was really great to hear him talk about recently having a, a rejuvenated love for the game and really taking the game more seriously and playing with more passion uh, as soon as this whole pandemic hit. Uh, he said something clicked that made him fall back in love with the game, and he has pretty high expectations for himself coming into this year. I think he said he, he visions himself uh, averaging 15 and 5. I don't know how he could have more passion for the game. He already seemed really, really passionate about it. But, yeah, I mean, this this time right now, it makes you really appreciate all of the things that we take for granted. Um, just being able to practice and getting in the gym and stuff. Uh, yeah, I imagine that's how a lot of players around the nation feel right now. They just want to get back to what they do best. I know it's been tough with everything being virtual, but uh, have you had a chance to meet with the new associate head coach, David Patrick? I have not. I don't think they've um, done one of those with the media. Maybe we could request him. I don't, yeah, I don't know much about him besides, you know, his background, uh, both, you know, his Australian history and then the, uh, this head coaching stop. I mean, just getting another head coach, on this coaching staff is amazing for Musselman. You get to put so much of your workload kind of on them and know that they can handle it. And, you know, the scouting reports that they do, having a guy who's a head coach put those together, it's just, just such a competitive advantage over other teams. Oh, yeah, and obviously he was very successful at, uh, where was that, Cal Riverside, UC Riverside? Yeah. Uh, I think only their second winning season in program history, and he did it in his yeah. second year as a head coach. So he, he has experience working with not a whole lot because you don't, you don't have that many losing seasons and then have a big one if you, you know, have a ton of talent. So he was really doing it based on, you know, roster building and putting guys in the right place. Right, and obviously he made uh, Jeff Goodman's list of top five assistants in the SEC. Uh, he came in at number five tied with I, – I forget who he ended up tying with, but um, but he came in in the, in the top five pretty much just based on the fact that he was a former head coach and his track record there and at LSU. Yeah, uh, the fact that Musselman and – Patrick have worked together in in the past. I think that bodes really well for Arkansas because uh, he knows, you know, all of Musselman's tendencies and how hard he is on his staff and what he expects. So I expect them to have a pretty harmonious relationship. I don't think Patrick would have left his situation uh, for, you know, a step down um, in title at least without being fully prepared with what Eric Musselman was going to be asking of him. And, you know, I do kind of expect turnover on his staff every year. Uh, just like in recruiting and your roster, you want to get better every single year. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be kind of a yearly thing for us, getting to know a new assistant coach. But at least Musselman will stay. 
Right. Well, and Patrick also opens international doors and talking about uh, staff rotation, you know, ideally you want to have a staff that, that people want to hire away. Cause that kind of lets you yeah. know that you have a good staff. Uh, like uh, coach Crutchfield just took a head coaching job. Um, that's how we ended up hiring David Patrick. So it's, it's good to have revolving doors uh, in some sense, if they're leaving for better jobs, not for being fired. Yeah, I think Goodman's number one assistant, the guy at Kentucky, I think he is in talks for, you know, a job on an NBA staff right now. So it's only a a sign of, you know, good things when people want the guys from your staff. Oh, yeah, no question. And kind of winding things up now, um, obviously this roster has plenty of talent to have a successful season. Do you think it'll be difficult for Muss to build team chemistry around so many new players? Luckily, because so many of these guys have played together before, um, you know, all the in-state guys are very familiar with each other. Um, And it doesn't seem to me like, you know, when Musselman did all these uh, Instagram lives as these transfers were signing and as the signees were wrapping up their recruitment, um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, you know, drama queens or guys that really need attention or anything like that. So uh, just character wise, it seems like a really good group. So what do you think is the best case scenario this season as far as record and NCAA tournament? And then compare that to what you think are some realistic expectations might be. I mean, that's tough. Um, Hopefully there's a non-conference portion of the schedule and they can do um, a lot of damage there, um, just like last year. And then I'd like to see a conference schedule that's around 500. Um, You know, they probably would have been around that mark if Isaiah Joe hadn't gotten hurt last season, so... I think that's definitely doable. Um, I want them to be, you know, the top quarter of the SEC, and I think they have the roster to do that. Um, And then, you know, uh, an eight or seven seed or higher, I think sets them up in a pretty good spot in the tournament to, you know, take them to the Sweet 16. So the doors are open for them. They have the depth. Um, It's just about, you know, executing game to game um, and making sure your your players know what's going on and they can kind of coach themselves on the court because in the positionless way that Musselman um, you know likes his offense like you have to know uh, what to do and where your guys are and all that stuff so I I think they're all going to be charged up and ready to play and that you know a tournament run is definitely in their in their future all right, so everybody, you heard it here, Nikki Chavanel, uh, with a soft prediction for the Sweet 16 or more. Or more, yeah. I mean, you know, the Sweet 16 is all about matchups, so it's 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 tough to predict in that way. Oh yeah, no doubt. All right, Nikki. Well, I told you I wouldn't keep you too long, so I'll let you go. But I really enjoyed having you on, and I really appreciate you for that. No problem at all. Anytime. Thanks, Jackson. Yeah, no problem. Nikki Chavanel with Arkansas Rivals and Hogbeat.com. Follow her on Twitter at Nikki Chavanel. Thanks so much. <laughs>